Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We redesigned Entree Architect Academy, our private online membership program, to better meet your needs with more options and less cost. Build a better business. Be a better architect. To learn more, visit the homepage at entrearchitect.com. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 168. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This week, another episode from our new podcast series called The Entrepreneur Architect, where I interview you, members of the Entree Architect community. I want to know your story. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your knowledge. So each guest will share their story, their origin story, like we do on every episode. And then they're going to answer a series of questions that will help them provide value to you, to the listeners. And I find that it's going to be very, very interesting to hear many, many different architects answer the same series of questions. So let's get on with today's show. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Chris Bailo, Entrepreneur Architect. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. FreshBooks, get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. And BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice, office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. And RCAT, the leading online resource for free building product information. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Christopher Bailo, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Chris is the principal architect at Bailo Architects, which is a custom residential design firm practicing architecture up in New England in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Uh, the firm's work consists of thoughtful and innovative design rooted in a New England vernacular tradition. And uh, we talked a little bit before we went on the air here, and uh, he has a very interesting story, the way he sort of uh, works uh, remotely out on the cloud, just That's like correct. we do here at, at Five Cat Studio. Yes. Um, and so I, I did share a little bit about you and your firm, Chris. I'd, I'd like you to take a few minutes to to get into your entrepreneur architect origin story, share your journey from where you discovered architecture and sort of that story from from that point to where you find yourself today. Sure, yeah. Uh, I was fortunate to grow up on an island in Casco Bay in Maine, um, and I was fortunate for two reasons. That island, um, you know, it had a great uh, culture and community out there, and also it was connected by a, a bridge to the mainland. So I had the opportunity to live on an island, but I also had a kind of a traditional 80s, 90s child upbringing where I could also go to the mall. But what I did when I was a when I was a kid, I, you know, I spent a lot of time outdoors and we would walk through the woods and with my friends or by myself and we would find the, the summer cottages of people who weren't there and they'd close them up and I would, you know, we would explore them. We'd go up on the porches, we'd go up and kind of look through the windows and, and peer around and I, I would always kind of build a cognitive map of those cottages and bring it home with me and, and think about it and say, oh, you know, if the kitchen was here, where was the bathroom? So even at a even at a young age, I was I was kind of exploring those spatial concepts, and um, I, you know, I, looking back at it now, that was definitely formative. And these, the, you know, the uh, those cottage communities in the area around Maine that I was exposed to definitely uh, is part of my design aesthetic to this day. I look back on the some of the simplicity of that, and I try to bring that into the the work that I do today. And as I got older, um, you know, I always w was interested in how things were put together and um, how buildings were constructed or anything was put together. And my dad wasn't particularly handy, so we didn't have a lot of tools or that kind of background. And I was, I was the youngest child, so I was given the ability to kind of, you know, it's like, oh, if you're interested in that, go, you know, go explore it, go find it. And I did that as I got older and started to work. I got a job as a, as a boat builder. I found a boat building oh, job. Cool. Yeah, it was very cool, and I, I loved boats. I grew up in the water, and those were the two things that I was interested in. So that's my, I, my middle son Henry's that's his dream is to be a boat builder. Yeah, that was my that was my dream as well, and I got to do it. So I learned, you know, I learned so much, and I, I was building the same Whitehall uh, yacht tender boat 
over and over again. And I did that for a, you know, for a summer before I went back to school. And after that, the next summer I was then I was at, um, when I was in high school, I, I kind of figured I wanted to be a architect and the uh, guidance counselor that I spoke to, you know, I, they had that con- conversation and was like, yeah, well, it looks like, um, you know, you're not, you're not that strong at math. So <laughs> yeah, it's I always the, it's that's so the guidance counselors go to math. Yeah. How are the math scores? Yeah. So <laughs> she, she was like, maybe, you know, liberal arts school. So I just, I went to a liberal arts school, St. Lawrence university, and I still wanted to be an architect. Uh, so I wanted I wanted to keep with the construction part of it. That was my interest in architecture was, you know, how does the house get built? I was very curious about that. Um, so I, I got a job as a carpenter. I found a great, uh, a great contractor and he hired me. I had no idea what I was doing other than the, the boat building stuff that I had been doing. And it, you know, it was awesome. I loved it. It was, it was a really interesting job and put, you know, figuring out how not figuring out, but being shown how to build a house was um, was really important, I think, and I take that I take that knowledge today from that job that I had when I was 20 years old. Um, but we had a conversation one day, and he was like, "Oh, do you want to be hauling shingles up a ladder when you're you know when you're 40 years old?" And I was like, "I don't I don't think so." And uh, that kind of helped me say, "All right, I do want to be an architect." So I finished my job, I finished uh, my undergraduate degree at St. Lawrence, and got a internship at uh, a place called the Yes Tomorrow Design Build School, which is in Warren, Vermont. Sure, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, and um, it's probably the first place I met an architect that I knew they were an architect my entire life. I wanted to be an architect. It's kind of funny. It's like I wanted to be an architect, but I never met one. I didn't really know what they did. And I went did an internship there while I applied to graduate school. And um, as I you know, was I found a school in Boston, which was close to my family, and it was a, it was, you know, really the perfect school for me because the Boston Architectural College, where I went, um, you worked in an architectural firm during the day, and in the evening you went to school, which was great for me because I'd had my college experience. I didn't, I just wanted to get the degree and learn how to do it. I wasn't looking for a a true, co- you know, quote unquote college experience. Um, and a lot of my friends were there. So I went there, I got a job and, uh, one of the, you know, I was just the first job I had in architecture. I was just a, uh, I was the mail boy basically. So I worked in a hundred person firm and it was, it was interesting cause I was at that point I was pretty well educated and I was just delivering mail to a hundred plus people firm. And I got to be exposed to so many different architects and it's like, all right, so this one is this the designer, this is the technical guy, you know, they're doing huge projects and it was nothing that I was interested in. You know, I wanted to do houses and barns, but I found it very fascinating just to be able to be exposed to that many people who do architecture as a career. Um, and it was also interesting cause I saw, like, I remember seeing the party where people got promoted to partner. And then like two weeks later, I remember seeing people get, you know, 50 people get laid off cause the job ended. Right, so right. I was like, yeah. it was a, it was a reality check. I was like, okay, so this is how this kind of works. Um, and shortly after that, I got a call from someone who I had, um, given my resume to, and they were a, you know, a sole proprietor architect doing residential architecture in Ipswich, Massachusetts. And that was like, that was perfect. I, I went and interviewed and 
it was you know it was a one-on-one i wasn't doing any architecture at the other firm i was just around it and this was a one-on-one where i got to i got to learn and he was hand drafting as well so i you know he taught me how to hand draft i feel like i'm one of the like the last tale of the people yeah, who, yeah. who actually learned how to do that and you know i was just exposed to a small business and it was it was um you know it was middle class additions and renovations and some some big work but also some you know little work in garages and i really liked that it, it fit well with where i was at um i was there for a number of years and eventually it kind of hit the that ceiling where um i was you know i learned probably as much as i could have learned at that point and just with the way the economy was and things i left that job and went to um I did, you know he actually let me go it was the first time i'd ever been let go from anything and and it turned out to be a, a, a blessing in a way because he helped me get a different job at a different firm, which was a high-end residential firm that one of his friends worked at. So I had a new job within days that so it didn't really affect me financially. And I was exposed now to seven, eight other architects that I got to learn from. And they were, you know, they were using, uh, using CAD software. And I was pretty confident that because of my age, I'd always used a computer. I'm like, you just give me the software. I'll, I'll figure it out. That I haven't found a software yet that I can't just pick up. So I basically became, um, you know, I worked there and I was, I was good at what I did and I kind of moved around to each of these project managers working on different projects. I called it the fireman, right? It's like, all right, we, <laughs> we need to put this fire out over here. So I'd hop around between the different project managers and that, um, you know, that was a good experience for me. And, uh, it, it, you know, in hindsight, it created some bad habits because I wasn't, it wasn't consistent. You know, they all kind of did it in their own different way. Uh, and I took some of those bad habits, but I was able to work my way up through that firm, um, until I was, you know, I was an associate there and a project manager. Uh, but I was also, I kind of tapped out there as well after eight years where I was, it was, it was kind of easy for me, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. you just were, I was doing the same thing day to day and I needed, I needed a new challenge. So, and my wife, I think saw that before I saw it, which is <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's funny how case. that works. <laughs> yeah. They see, I think they see you better than you see yourself. So, you know, we had talked, she's, um, she's in public school, so she had the good insurance and we had our first child and I was, I was not home as much as either one of us wanted or pictured. So, we came up with a plan. I had three months worth of work, and um, I had had some other experiences that told me that you know what, I I can get another job. I can do if if this doesn't work, jumping out, then I I, I can find a new employment. Because after eight years, I'd kind of felt like I was like, oh, it's like I, I don't know if anybody would hire me. You know, I'm doing this one thing with this one firm, and I use this specific software. I don't use AutoCAD, which is like the industry standard. Like, can I find a job if I need to? Like, how hard would that be? And I went through a couple of experiences where I realized that, yeah, I, I actually could get another job if I needed to. That's not what I want to do. I want to try this on my own. So she had the good insurance. I had some work lined up, and we decided to jump. So so what year was that? It was 2014, I believe. 2013 or 2014. <laughs> I have to look back on it. Okay. Uh, it was my, my son had just turned one. 
Um, so we decided that's what we, you know, I, I was basically the deal was I'll watch him and start my architectural firm. And that's, you know, we'd lost our, we had a great nanny. Um, she wasn't coming back for personal reasons. And so we had a childcare issue. We also had a, a job situation. I had the work set up and I said, let's, let's just give it a shot. And so we decided that we'd do it. And three years later, it's up and running and, uh, you know, I, it was the, definitely the right decision, but also probably the scariest decision that I've ever, ever made. Yeah. Yeah. How did it work out with, with the idea of, uh, child raising and, and building a business? Uh, it's, I mean, cause that's tough. Uh, I've done that. Well, I don't know that there's, I don't know any other way, but I assume it's very, you know, raising a child is an experience that it's, it's amazing. And in, it, it teaches you a lot about yourself and I think that that's the same it actually kind of dovetails with building a business but you have to be you know you have to have clear separation of uh, this is the workspace and this is you know the home life and you get you learn a lot through that process right there's times when I've felt very confident and I've been watching you know my son and picked up the phone and that turned out to be a mistake because <laughs> you know because he, he jumped off the couch and hit his head or something like that and I was like uh, you know, when two days, two days before I had done the same thing and it had worked out great. So you learn, you know, you, you learn and you're constantly adjusting and saying, all right, I, I have to, you know, set boundaries and make sure that, that somebody doesn't walk through the, walk through the door behind me while I'm on the, you know, BBC television. Those yeah. kind of yeah. things. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, I, so you, you begin to live this integrated life where your business and your life sort of merge into one, but at the same time you start creating these limits so you can do both at the same time. Yeah. And it, it, for my business, it's been great because it makes me relatable to people who have families. You know, I go, a lot of my clients have children my own age and are looking for, you know, to build an addition or to do something that's going to change their life because they have two, two children and, you know, they bought a house. And especially in this area, you find there's a, there's definitely a, a market where the, that next set of, you know, that next group of housing is just, outside of their um you know out of where they can purchase a house yeah. so you you know you go from 40 to 50,000 dollars to 80 to 90,000 dollars and it's there's definitely a niche where you can do it you know renovations and additions and get people to stay in their home which they want to do and not be moving to a house that's outside of their their budget or you know what they even really want Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. You already know all about RCAT and their free BIM objects and their CAD details and their specifications and product information, all free, ready for you to use. Well, today I want to share something new from RCAT. It's called Charette. Charette is a tool for sharing and collaborating with your colleagues and clients online in real time. You can upload photos and files, share specs and product information directly from the RCAT database, as well as from other sources on the internet. I've been playing with Charette in beta for a while now, and it's really cool. And now it's available to you. I encourage you to go check it out. Visit RCAT online and click the Charette icon right there on the homepage. And like everything offered at RCAT, Charette is a free tool for us small firm architects too. Learn more 
at entrearchitect.com slash arcat. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE software. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you the Entree Architect community. Let's get into uh, some of our questions here. Other than becoming an architect, what's one big goal that you've achieved? And, and talk about the process of achieving that goal. I mean, I, I thought about this one, and family is definitely the, the best answer, but I think everybody has that. Um, you know, I when I originally got my job as a hand-drafting architect, it was long hours and I just remember not you know not having a tan and not doing any vacations and I was kind of out of shape and I'd always been athletic and so I, I decided I wanted to run a triathlon um, so I did I set myself up the same way I've set up most of the goals that I've accomplished is I you know I picked the time and the date and just started working on that um, and it you know it was it was great it was definitely you know it's it, it's a um, 
it's a singular kind of narcissistic thing to run a triathlon because you have to separate yourself kind of like a marathon right you have to separate yourself and put in time and uh you know work towards that goal but it it gave me back some of of what i you know some of my youth and what i'd enjoyed and i it, you know made me a healthier more focused person because of it yeah because i was i wasn't just focused on you know working at that architectural firm yeah and and uh and so that was before you you started your firm yes yeah yeah, yeah. i've done i've done it since um you know here and there it's i like i'm a i like riding mountain bikes not road bikes so it's a it's harder to find that kind of event um and it's also hard to find it in your region so they don't always come around but when they do i i've i've found a couple that i've focused on and said this you know this is important to me and i want to want to do and i've always it's always been a a good healthy thing for me to do yeah i think it's important to set personal goals that are non-business related uh, especially when we're practicing like we are you know it, it, on in a cloud-based environment where we're in our own studios by ourselves uh it becomes isolating and and you become sort of at times overwhelmed by the by the work and so having Absolutely. this other goal this other piece in addition to your family to focus on you uh it, it keeps you sane. It does. Absolutely. And it, you know, it was, it was necessary for, to get my, to get to where I am. I had to make some choices, right? Like I love to ski. I, I'm a big skier. And for graduate school for seven years, I didn't ski. And so it was a big, you know, when I got to go back and ski, I was so excited about it because <laughs> it just makes me happy and it's, and it was fun. But I did. I'm happy that I made those decisions and I could focus and, and set goals and achieve them. But you do need to stop every once in a while and just reset your course and say, okay, so that, you know, you've done that. And here we're at, here is where we are. And, you know, what's next? What's that next thing that you want to do? Yeah. What about a struggle that you experienced and how you uh, overcame that? Um, well, I'm, I'm not naturally organized. So that is something I have to work at all the time. And it, it's always, it's, it's, I find it humorous that on job sites and talking with clients that, you know, they think that I am naturally organized or that I'm, an, you know, I'm an anal person because I, you know, that's what I have to do to make it work. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that my, my wife is so that, that helps me out a lot, but I have to constantly work on, you know, being organized, keeping things together, not letting it get spread out. And, you know, because of that, I also think I, I sometimes have imp imposter syndrome where I, it's even funny for me to tell people that I'm an architect. Like, I don't want that, uh, you know, it sounds funny. It's like, you're an architect. So what do you, you know, what do you do? Um, so I constantly, you know, you, know, you got to keep myself, um, in the, you know, continuing to work on that skill set that I don't have. And it also, I have to tell myself that I, you know, you are an architect and you've, you have done this and this is, this is what you're doing. So that, that's my, that's my answer. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a, an aha moment that you've experienced in your, in your career? And, uh, yes. what, what did you, if you did, I mean, what, um, how did you take that and turn that into something big? Well, I, um, you know, I always look for opportunities to try things, even if I, I don't necessarily want to do them. So I would, you know, in my, in my previous firms, I would send out my resume and sometimes go on interviews if the situation was good. So I found this very interesting, um, 
architectural firm did modern prefab architecture and I interviewed for it and sent my resume and had a phone call interview and you know they were actually interested in talking to me um, and I think part of that was that I, I didn't really need or want the job I was just doing it um, I was doing it naturally which was yeah. sold the best me I guess so they called me up and were like hey, no, we'd like to fly you to Manhattan um, tomorrow and interview you at the at the Dwell um, magazine's uh, studio or their their offices and I was like awesome <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah like I'll do that so it was just um you know I didn't really want the job but I'm like this is an experience you got to go do and it's a it's practice right like I'll go interview for something that yeah that that I'm that I want to look at so I went there I interviewed for it I went to Manhattan I'd never been there before and I went to the 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 New York Public Library and just things that were you know, I I knew from Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters in my youth, but <laughs> never been there. Went interviewed, um, did a, you know did a, went well and flew home that same day, and they were totally looking at an architectural firm in a different way. They were cloud based. They did not have a centralized studio. They were utilizing talent from across the country. They had no central office space. They were just using. They were leveraging the magazine that they had a relationship with to use their conference space. And I'm like, these guys are super smart, right? They're, none yeah. of them were registered architects either. And they were just looking at an architectural firm in a totally different way. So I, you know, I got home. I thought about it. It wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do at the time, but I, I took you know, some information that I got from them. So that was an aha moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can – the architectural firm that I worked in where I did $5 million houses, nobody ever came there except for our spouses. And, you know, they'd walk in and be like, it's so quiet in here. Like, what are you doing? So I, I realized that you could do this and not have this crazy overhead that, that the firm that I worked for was. I was like, you can, you know, there's, there's a niche that you can, you can market to and get work from. And you don't have to have an office. You need an office like there's places that you can go you can go to the library you can rent that space there's great you know there's great conference rooms if you need that but most of the time i've ever been to someone's house for a meeting it's it's their house right or it's the job site so why why have this big beautiful office space there's some good merits to it but i think it outweighs it outweighs it in some ways and you can work from home and you know it's like if if I need my big client to come and meet me, I can you know I can use any of the the office um, share spaces around the city or wherever I I need to be. So that was a huge aha moment. I took that and I was like that that's they're doing something smart. Yeah, that, and that's what you're doing now. So so what's yeah. one thing that makes you and your firm unique? What makes you different? Um, well, I use. Uh, so one thing that makes me unique is uh, we just talked about being cloud-based. That's unique in itself. But, um, you know, I think we're scalable in that I try to put together a team specific to a project that it fits the needs of that project. And by that, I mean, you know, I might be doing a, a small light commercial project where the, you know, the, I want my code consultant to be involved with this because that's, you know, that's what they're going to require. So I can, I try to build a team and put that put the people who will best fit that team together. So it allows me to take on that project and it allows me, and I can also take on a larger residential project by 
you know, utilizing some of the people who work for me as contractors. So I've been able to get contractors to work for me who are talented and, you know, can do the work and, and produce at a level that is what I want them to produce at, um, that, that executes a project that I wouldn't have been able to do just by myself. But I can also just, you know, locally, I can just take on a small addition, which will help somebody who's just needs a, you know, they need a, a new bedroom because they had twins or something like that. You know, I can do that myself and still get that name recognition in the community and, and execute that project without having, you know, four or five people that it would have taken that, you know, maybe a larger architectural firm can do that. So it allows me to be more dynamic and be able to pivot and take on opportunities that some of the more established, larger residential architectural firms wouldn't be able to do. What are what are some of the things you learned um, when you became when you when you went cloud based and you made that decision? Uh, what are some of the things that you learned along the way when you did that uh, to make to have to make that succeed? I think there's a lot of architects out there uh, who are trying that model mm-hmm. uh, or considering that model. And it's hard. You and I do. I, I my firm works the same way. And and there are lots of things that happen that you don't expect are going to happen. And so so were there any sort of bumps in the road when you went virtual uh, I mean, that that you need to to address? I mean, there's still there's still bumps in the road, right? It's I'm in my house. It's it's not a. I don't have a, a sign out front when I I let clients. I, I bring clients here. And they're, you know, they are um, not surprised, but it's my home, right? There are my my family might be here. There's things that happen in just general house life, so that there are bumps in the in the road. But you need to you need to be like anything. I don't know that it's any different, but you need to be introspective and say, okay, this is working or this is not working, and now I'll make an adjustment. So it's reiterative, right? You yeah. have to say this this worked, this didn't. And the toughest part about it is, you know, family life is cyclical as well. So there's, you know, there's school and there's summer break and there's April vacation, which is happening right now. And so you have to, you have to adjust to that. But it's, you know, it's cl- it's setting clear understanding of I'm working or I'm not working. Or here's a here's the boundary. It's like a, like this is my work time. This is not my work time. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's important for all parties. I think it's important for your client. I think it's very important for your family to understand th- those boundaries. Yeah. Um, and for yourself to understand when you're working and when you're dad. Because w- when those things become the same thing, that's where things get really complicated. That, that you do want to have this integrated life, but you have to know what your role is at that one moment. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's that um, I always tell myself I want to be confident overconfidence can get you into, into trouble sometimes. So I do need to say, like, I, I naturally want to be like, I got this. I can be dad and I can pick up this phone and handle this and do the two things right. at, at, at one time. And, uh, you know, I might be able to do it, but eventually it's going to run into a situation where that, you know, that was that was not the correct decision. So if I can tell myself, like, just separate the two. Yeah. Don't, pick up, don't pick up the phone now. Wait and call him back or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes discipline. I think ultimately that's 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 the word. Is that it? It really takes discipline to to be able to do that to 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 keep you know work and life separate when it needs to be, 
and to be able to integrate them in a systematic way so it works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's get into some uh, some quick questions here. This is the, the oh. lightning round here. Sounds good. Um, what age did you become an architect? Uh, age that I wanted to become an architect, I would say I was 19 years old when that was. What, what, what age did you actually become with license? Oh, good question. It was 2000. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't remember at this point. Uh, it was 2011. So I'm 39. It's it's 2017. So six years. Okay. So take that. 33. Okay. We'll put that as the answer. I'm not sure I'd be able to answer that question. That either. <laughs> uh, what's your target market? Uh, we customs, talked about that a little bit. Custom single family residential. Um, you know, I, I, I look at everything because sometimes the small projects lead into big projects. You, you never know who you're talking to. Um, but single family residential is what I, what I'm interested. I've never been a person who wanted to design like the, you know, the world's tallest skyscraper. Yeah. Uh, stipulated sum hourly or percentage based fee. What's your, your uh, structure? My preference is percentage based. Um, but I'll do hourly and typically it's hourly if, if I can't figure out what the construction cost is, if it's just totally outside of a, you know, this doesn't, it's not easy to assume what the what the cost will be. Then I'll just do it hourly, mm -hmm. and I I'm happy with both because I know how long things take me. So I just take the time to kind of figure that out and I go back and look at past projects. Other than architecture, what makes you happy? Uh, my family. Um, I love the ocean. I grew up. You know, I don't live near the ocean now. I grew up near the ocean, so I miss the ocean. And um, uh, you know, the funny I I enjoy the band Fish which is my wife's pet peeve, but something I've, <laughs> I've done since I was, I've gone to fish concerts since I was, you know, high schooler. So I still do that with my friends and it's an outlet. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best advice you've ever received. Uh, I came from my father and, um, there was a, like a municipal sand pile for the winter time. And I remember being in our station wagon and him wanting me to go get a bucket full of sand to bring home and, I, I didn't want to do it because I felt like I wasn't supposed to take that. And he, he told me, and this is where I remember it, you know, basically you, you can do a lot in life as long as you act like you know what you're doing. So he's, <laughs> he was basically telling me to, you know, just act like you're supposed to take that sand and, and go get it. So it's a, it's something that I, I definitely still think about is that, you, you know, you need to be confident and, and, and act like this is something you're, yeah. You act, know, act as if. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's good advice. It's uh, funny. I don't, I don't think he meant it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, one personal habit uh, or daily routine that contributes to your success? Uh, I drop off my daughter, Marin, at daycare every morning. And that working from my home, that, that habit is very helpful. And that it's a, clear, uh, it's a clear delineation of when I return, this is work time. And yeah. before that was not. So that that helps me realize like, okay, here's the, here's the grind. And before that was, you know, family time, uh, a recommended app or internet resource. Uh, so two of them would be, uh, building science, uh, corporation. Their website is a great technical website. If you find yourself detailing something that you might not have a ton of experience with, they have awesome resources and you can find a lot of great information on there that they, they share for best practices. And, um, Instagram is the other one that I have found. I've tried lots of different social, um, 
you know, social things. And I really enjoy Instagram because it's visual. It's a great place to put out your work that you're doing as it's being done. So you don't have to, you know, architecture kind of has this long tail and that you start a project and by the time you photograph it, it's been, you know, it can be years, but you can take photos of things in process and not put them on your permanent website, put them on Instagram and, and show the work that you're doing. And there's a, there's a pretty good community of people who are interested in that, um, that I've just recently found. Yeah. I, I love Instagram. I love the, the, I mean, it is one, one way to use Instagram where you just sort of post pictures and it's just sort of a portfolio or, you know, mm-hmm. instant, instantly just share some pictures. But I love using Instagram, uh, as a storytelling tool, uh, you know, on both the, you know, the native app as well as their new story, yeah. uh, you know, live, live storytelling. But, but if you sort of look at it in terms of the way you're, you're talking about as your pro- your projects progress, you can tell the story of how that project became a project through photos on your Instagram. And that that's a great tip for people who are thinking about starting out on their own. Because I, you know, one of the big boundaries for me is I had worked eight years plus on other people's projects that it wasn't my intellectual property. I, I couldn't just day one say, look at this, you know, amazing work that I did because it, it's I don't have the copyright for it. But you can show, you know, you can show your design work and your your what you're doing day to day in your office. And it, it's very interesting. And a lot of people out there are interested in, in seeing it. And the, the contractors actually do it way better than we do as architects. There's a huge community of contractors out there who are showing their day to day work and using the stories. And, and it's, it's easier for them, I think, because they have, you know, they're doing the woodworking or doing the day to days at the project. But I, I try to look at what the contractors are doing. They're doing a great job on Instagram because there's a you know there's a lot to learn from that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the key with social media to to make it work for business is to tell your story is to get is to use it to 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 not just show your work but to actually tell the story of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about a book? What's a recommended book and why? I thought about this one, and the one that I want to recommend is Rob Fallon's. Um, the uh, wood frame construction book that he has that was a as a residential architect i think the best thing you can do is really understand how a building gets put together and one of my pet peeves is seeing drawings where that's not actually how it gets put together um so i think that just builds if you know how that is done it builds a lot of confidence for your interactions with the contractor and it it gives you respect from the contractor because you realize how it's being done. So that book was like a Bible to me. I got my first job in architecture because I had that in my bag. I was like, this is what I read on the train. You know, this is, <laughs> this is what interests me. Yeah. Um, cause it, you know, it's a great, it's a great resource. We'll have links to, to everything that Chris is recommending here on the, uh, on the, uh, show notes. This is episode 168. So entree architect, dot com slash episode 168 we'll have links to all of those things um chris what is one thing an art an entrepreneur architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow i I think one of the things that i realized when i started on my own was that to recognize bad habits so Mm -hmm. from some of the firms that i had worked at i picked up bad habits that that were okay when i was just an employee but literally cost me money um as i worked for myself so I was not I, one of the people I work with to this day was utilizing Vectorworks as the software I use was 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 utilizing that software in a much more efficient way than I was and I could see it as we collaborated 
So I realized I, I needed to fix that. And I, I hired a consultant, actually. Um, his name's Jacob Dale. Jacob Dale uh, tangibly is his company, and he's a consultant for, for Vectorworks. And, you know, he actually came to my office and sat down with me for a couple hours, and I could just say, all right, here's here are the problems I'm having, and he could show me how to make it more efficient. And I just – it was those are aha moments because you're like, I, you know, yeah. th- those tiny little processes just taking me time. And I, I think that recognizing if something is, is not working for you, there's probably a way to fix it. And there's somebody out there who can help you with it. Um, that's been my, you know, my single, my single, the happiest thing I've done for myself is to get somebody to help me with fix those things yeah that's great advice i mean when when those things sort of pop up you're like all these years of doing it yeah why haven't i fixed this sooner well like even like this this one's silly because it's not even architecture i didn't realize you could use the tab on the keyboard to move to that next thing on any kind of (laughs) web-based thing you can do that i'm like oh that's an you know i didn't i didn't know that so it's great to sit down with someone who really has a mastery of the software because I use the software because I have to. Yeah, that's what we do. But he he understands it from the architectural standpoint to the landscape standpoint, and would answer my questions and resolve problems that I've had for a long time. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, wrap things up. What's one uh, parting piece of guidance for other entrepreneur architects, and then uh, and then how best can we contact you? Certainly. Um, so one of my first architectural mentors, uh, Matt Cummings, he told me, like, you don't stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. So I've always thought about that. It's not just a straight line. You need to, you know, it's a craft that you need to, to work on and there's ebbs and flows to it. So, um, you know, you need to work on being an architect and being a business owner and, and you can reach high points and low points, but it doesn't just maintain itself. Um, so I, I, I take that. And then, uh, Chris at Baylo.com, which is B as in boy, A I L O W.com. And, um, at Instagram, it's Baylo architects, which is another way to get in touch with me. Okay. And we'll post all those on the show notes. Chris, thanks for joining me here today and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect, Entree Architect podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. If you liked what we shared here today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 168. And if you want to be a guest here at Entree Architect Podcast as a featured entrepreneur architect, connect with us anywhere on social media or just send us an email request to podcast at entrearchitect.com. We want to help you share your story, share your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast and send us an email at podcast at entrearchitect.com. We have a whole schedule of people lined up to do the Entrepreneur Architect Series and I want to know your story. I want to include your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. So send us an email, podcast at entrearchitect.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit the website to learn more about Entree Architect Academy, our private online online membership program. It's built for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. You can build a better business. Visit the homepage today at entrearchitect.com for more information. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. 
I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. See you next week. Thanks for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. 
And so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.